0: a shout of praise in this place today. Lift your voice unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that the chains have been broken. We thank you that you have set us free. We thank you today that you are a healer, that you are a deliverer. We thank you that you are an almighty God. Father, today we are so thankful that you've never left us, no forsaken us, that your presence is forever with us. I am thankful that in my moments of weakness, God, you are there to be my strength. I am so thankful that you're the solid rock upon which I can stand, and you're the shelter that I can cling to in my time of need. I thank you, God, that there is no need too big, none too small, but you are able to do the impossible each and every day. We thank you for your love we thank you for the forgiveness of sins and in this place today we thank you that you call us children children of Almighty God father thank you for your love that was freely given it was not earned but was freely given unto us you reached down to us when we were in our lowest depth And God, you have brought us up to become childs, children of Almighty God. We give you the praise. Oh, we love you in this place today. We love you in this house today. Father, I pray that you would have your way today, that your Holy Spirit, which is already at work, would continue to work throughout the remainder of this service. May our hearts, oh God, be enlarged today by your love and your power and your truth for us. And we will give you all the praise and the glory. Church, can we do that one more time? Can you just put your hands together one more time this morning? Oh, we love you. Tell them you love them. Oh, we love you, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Wow, you are a great congregation this morning. It is so good to see you. Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad you're here. Just look them square in the eye and say, I am glad you are here. Worship team, thank you. Thank you. Man, you're way happy this morning. It's good to be in God's house. Can you say amen? Amen. You've probably noticed that uh, most flags are flying at half-mast today and uh, if you have paid attention at all to the news this week, you know that on Tuesday Colin Powell passed away at the age of 84. He was a great man, a man who served his country as a soldier, earning the rank of a four-star general. And uh, he served our nation from 2001 to 2004 as Secretary of State. Colin Powell lived by what he called his 13 Rules of Leadership. I'm not going to read the 13 Rules of Leadership to you. I'll read just a couple. But it doesn't take long to begin to sense that this man was an optimist. Here are a couple of his rules. It's not as bad as you think. Now, if that's not optimism, what is? Actually, the way Colin Powell, I'm told, used to say it was and ain't as bad as you think. Uh, Being an old English major, I just don't like the word ain't, so I'm going with it's not as bad as you think. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, It will be better in the morning. Now, doesn't that sound scriptural? Psalm 30 and verse number 5, the old King James English says, weeping endureth for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Colin Powell, hey, it's going to be better in the morning. And then he summed up all of his rules, rule number 13. Here's what rule number 13 said. Perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. Perpetual optimism. Optimism is a force multiplier. I am an optimist. I am the guy whose glass is always half full. I am that guy who always believes that God is going to do something in the midst of whatever I am going through. I believe what Paul wrote in Romans 8 and verse 28 when Paul says God works all things to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I am an optimist. You see, a long time ago, I learned that my attitude is a decision that I make attitude is a choice say it with me attitude is a choice it's a decision that I need to make my attitude is not to be judged it's not to be formed by the weather or by what I hear on the television or what I hear on ABC or NBC or CNN or PBS none of those things are to form my attitude my attitude is a decision that I make it is a choice that I make and I make it every morning The moment my feet hit the ground, the moment your feet hit the ground, you can either say, good morning, Lord, or you can say, good Lord, it's morning. There is a difference, and it will affect your day. That's why I believe that God is at work in everything that we go through. Now, I know some of you are already sitting out there this morning thinking, man, I wonder what this guy was smoking before he came in this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm here to just tell you i believe the word of god and i know that some of you right now are dealing with disappointments you're dealing with discouragements. some of you are dealing with brokenness there are things in your lives that are broken your finances are broken your family's broken your health is broken i understand that life is fragile and things around us break and it's very difficult for, To put them back together. But here is a truth that I have come to encourage you with this morning. Here is a truth that I pray God will help you grab within your heart today. For every circumstance and situation that you're going through. And the truth is this. The best is yet to come. I believe it with all my heart. The best is yet to come to come. I don't care what it is you're going through, what it is you're facing, and I know as a church you have just lost your pastor, the founding pastor of the church, and now you're in this time of pastoral transitioning and you're wondering what the world's going to happen next. Where are we going to go from here? I'm here to tell you today that the best is yet to come. We've not seen it yet, we've not experienced it yet. I believe the best is yet to come on. Yeah, either play patty cake or give the Lord a clap of praise in this place. Amen? You see, God is a God who is, does the impossible things. Our God is a God who's able to answer more than our puny little requests and he is able to fulfill every desire every every dream that we are even afraid to dream of Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 3 my God is able to work in the midst of all of those things and that is why I believe with all of my heart that the best is yet to come now I'm going to show this to you this morning in Scripture We're going to look at a man who dealt with a problem that was 150 years old. Now, I guarantee that there is not a single person in this room today who has been dealing with your problem for 150 years. If you have been, I'd like to meet you. Uh, This guy was faced with a problem that was 152 years old. And listen to this. God used him to solve it in 52 days. A 150-year-old problem solved in 52 days. Now listen, God has not changed. He's the same today as he was yesterday and will be forever. And if God could move in the middle of a problem that was 150 years old and fix it in 52 days, I believe that no matter what it is we're going through, the best is yet to come. God is going to do something great. I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. And maybe we can maybe we can get that scripture up on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. Here's what Paul writes: No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. Let me let me say it again. Here it is. No eye has seen. Paul says our our eyes have yet to see. No ear has heard. Our ears have, have not yet heard all that God has conceived and prepared for those who love him. But God continues to reveal those things to us by his spirit. Somebody in this room needs to get ready for a miracle. You see, you you think you're in the middle of your problem. You think you're in the middle of your discouraging times. You think you're in the middle of your defeat. And you don't think there's an end in sight. I'm here to tell you today, the best is yet to come. No Understand that our eyes have yet to see and our ears have yet to hear all the things that God has prepared for us, but God is going to reveal them to us by His Spirit. Can I get an amen? Now before we jump into our scriptures, let me give you a little bit of history to put this story in context. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah today. And if you've, you've got an old-fashioned Bible like mine, you can and you're not sure where Nehemiah is, you, you can find the book of Psalms and hang a left. Hang a left, and you're going to go to Job, and then you're going to have Nehemiah. So you, you can find Nehemiah, of course, if you have your phones. Uh, it's, it's easy. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, but let me begin by giving you the context of the story so that you understand the setting in 586 BC King Nebuchadnezzar marched his army from Babylon to Jerusalem I want you to I want you to see this you're probably not familiar with Babylon Baghdad is situated where today where Babylon was Baghdad today is where Babylon was So picture that in your mind. It's 586 before Christ, B.C., and King Nebuchadnezzar takes his army and marches them across the desert and attacks Judah and Jerusalem. And when he attacks Jerusalem, he completely destroys the city. He destroys every home, destroys commerce, they even destroy the temple that Solomon had built. And they not only destroy the temple that Solomon had built, but they ravage it. They take all of the sacred vessels. They, they take the, all of the precious metals, the gold, the silver. They take all of it with them. And then they take thousands of people captive. And they march them back through the desert all the way to Babylon. And now the people of God are in captivity. Jeremiah, and you can read this in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah receives a word from God. And the word that God gives Jeremiah is, I I know what you're going through. I, I know what you're facing. I know that you are now in captivity. You can read it in Jeremiah 29, 28. I know you're in captivity, he says. But God says, Listen, there are a lot of people telling you that I'm I'm going to take you out of this real quick. But God says, It's going to take 70 years before some of you leave. It's going to take 70 years. And then that famous line out of Jeremiah that everybody loves to quote, you know, God says, I have plans for you, and they're plans to prosper you and bless you. But you're, you're going to go through this first. You, you need to understand this. But know this, the best is yet to come. And so Jeremiah gives that word. And sure enough, 70 years go by. And the king releases some of the captives to go back to Judah and Jerusalem. And you can read about that in the book of Ezekiel. That's, Or excuse me, not Ezekiel, but Ezra. The book of Ezra, that's the one just in front of Nehemiah. Some of them go back, and when they go back, they begin to rebuild the city. They begin to rebuild their homes. They begin to rebuild commerce. And they build a little altar. But Ezra tells us that they were so threatened by the enemies that they stopped building the altar another 80 years goes by another 80 years goes by and now more captives are released and more captives go back to Judah and Jerusalem and this time they begin to work on the temple and you can read about that in Haggai and some of the other books they begin to rebuild the temple So now 150 years have gone by since the initial invasion. And now we open it up to Nehemiah chapter 1. Here's what happens. Nehemiah chapter 1, and I'm in verse number 1, beginning with this. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hechaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah has a cushy job. He is a cupbearer to the king. That means he tastes everything before the king gets to eat it just to make sure no one has poisoned him. Yeah, it's a high risk job, but It's it's also a pretty cushy job, you know? You you get to live in the palace, get to live with the king, you eat all this great food, and it's, it's a pretty cushy job. Nehemiah was born in captivity. He had never been to Judah, had never been to Jerusalem. And as we open up the book of Nehemiah, we read that one of his brothers, Hanani, who had gone back to the city is now coming back, and Nehemiah is so inquisitive. He is saying, I, I want to know about my homeland. I've heard the stories that my grandparents told me. I heard the stories that my parents told me, but I've never experienced this for myself. I, I-, I just want to know, tell me, what's it like back in Judah? What is it like back in Jerusalem? I I just need to know for myself what it's like. And his brother Hananiah says, you know, it's not what you think. They're, They're starting to rebuild stuff, but they are living in disgrace because the walls of the city have not been rebuilt. Now, that's a little difficult for us in 2021 to try to comprehend what's the big deal about the walls around the city. The big deal is this. The walls of that city provided their security. It provided their sense of confidence. It gave them their sense of peace. So let me translate that for where some of us in this room may be today. When we face disappointing circumstances, when we go through devastating times, when we are faced with great discouragement, suddenly the walls that are around us, those things that gave us peace, those things that gave us confidence, those things that gave us security are now gone and we become exposed and vulnerable. Am I talking to anybody in the room? The minute we get that doctor's report that says, you know, your blood, your blood stuff's not right or this report is off or that, what happens? Fear immediately comes in because I begin to wonder, what, what in the world's going on? I, I felt great. I, I didn't know anything of, the, of this nature was going on until I went to the doctor. Suddenly, my wall of confidence has been broken down. Or somebody says something to you at work and, and somebody says, you know, they're... they're they're firing people here right and left and they're not happy with you and you might be one of the ones to go and and suddenly my wall of confidence and security and peace begins to to crumble. Do do you see where I'm going here? Nehemiah is told, listen, people are back in the city and they're, they're going through the motions. Everybody's going through the motions, but something is wrong. And Nehemiah says, what in the world is wrong? And Nehemiah is told, The walls, those things that give them peace and confidence and security are now gone. Oftentimes in our lives we struggle because the walls that God wants us to have for protection are not there. I want you to note what Nehemiah does. Point number one in my message this morning. I want you to note what Nehemiah does. If we are going to experience God's best we must develop a burden for change. Let me say that again. If we are going to experience God's best, it begins by us developing a burden for change. You see, it's not until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change that will do anything about it. If I want God's best, I must be willing to develop a burden for change. Look at verse number four with me one more time. Nehemiah says, When I heard these things, When I heard what was going on, when I realized what was happening, when I realized that their peace and their security and their confidence was no longer there, when I realized that the walls were still deteriorated, when I realized that they were not living in victory, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah said, when I heard these things, I had such a burden in my heart. I I, I could have been living a cushy life here, but there was a brokenness in my heart. And when that brokenness hit me, I began to develop such a burden for prayer that I wanted to see change in those individuals. I wanted to see change in that city. I don't know a lot of people in this room. I probably know a handful of people in this room but I'm willing to say this this morning I am willing to say that I believe there are people in this room that maybe the doctors gave you a bad report maybe somebody gave you up maybe they said you're not going to recover from what it is that you're in and people friends those who knew you began to pray they had such a burden of prayer for you and they began to pray and they began to intercede and a miracle happened and you experienced God's healing I believe there are probably many. Marriages represented in this room this morning that your friends told you it's never going to last It's not going to work, but you had a praying grandmother or you had a praying mama You had somebody who loved you and they were on their knees and they were interceding and saying oh God move in the middle of my Family I need a miracle. I believe there's somebody in this room today You're here because your mama stayed up all night Your grandma stayed up all night and was praying for you and saying. Oh God, I don't know where they are right now. I don't know what they're doing right now. But I believe you have the ability to touch them and to speak to them. And God, I'm believing you to bring them back. Am I talking to anybody in this room? If that's your testimony today, let me see a show of hands. Come on. Let me see those hands. Look at that. Hands up all over the place. Yeah, come on. Give the Lord a shout of praise for that today. I am so thankful for people who have a burden for prayer, who say I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to let this go. God, I am going to intercede for, and I'm going to believe you to work a miracle in the middle of this situation. Hallelujah. I believe that God still answers prayer today. Nehemiah said, I've, I've got this burden. I want to see this change. And look, look again at verse 4. He sat down and he wept. When was the last time you wept over your lost loved ones? When was the last time you wept over your next-door neighbor? You know, we, Ann and I have this next-door neighbor. We had. We don't anymore. We moved. <laughs> but we had this next-door neighbor all the way up to last August. He, he would love absolutely love on Saturday nights, especially if I was out preaching on Sunday, you know. He'd be out on his deck on Saturday nights with 70s music blaring, and he and all of his friends having a beer party out there and singing to the music. I didn't want to weep over my neighbor. I wanted to shoot my neighbor. But he was an attorney, so I knew that probably would go bad for me. So, But when was the last time you wept over your neighbor? Wept for your family, wept for your children? Nehemiah says, I sat down and I wept. And then he said, for some days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. I only wish this morning that I had time to teach on the prayer of Nehemiah. Because it, there's, there's just such richness in his prayer. I'm, I'm going to give you three bullet points. These will not be up on the screen because I just feel the prompting of the Lord to pause here and do this. Uh, I'm going to give you three bullet points on Nehemiah's prayer. and You can write them down and you can look them up later. But, but here they are. Three bullet points on Nehemiah's prayer beginning in, beginning in verse number five. Nehemiah prays, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps this covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ears be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Do you notice the way he begins? He begins his prayer with praise and worship. He begins his prayer by telling God how great he is. Oh, Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. God, I just want to worship you. I want to worship you because of your love. I want to worship you because of your faithfulness. I just want to worship you because of who you are. Oh, God, I love you. He begins this prayer with a time of praise and worship. And then, note what he says in verse 7. We, please note the word we, we have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave to your servant Moses. He goes from a time of praise and worship to a time of repentance. Now remember, Nehemiah was born in captivity. Nehemiah was not a part of the problem. But he freely admits it. God, I'm a part of this problem. We have not obeyed you, God. We have disobeyed you. We've not followed your commands. He goes from a time of worshiping God for who he is to now a time of repentance. God, forgive us. Forgive me for the mess that I've been a part of. And then, I love the way he closes out his prayer. Look at this. He says, beginning in verse 8, remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses. I I love that little phrase. He's saying, hey, God, uh, remember now what you said to Moses. Remember what you told Moses, as if God needs remembering. (laughs) Remembering. He's he's not saying, God, remember what you told Moses so God could remember. He's saying, God, remember what you told Moses so my faith within me can be built up. Come on. I want to recite the promises of God. I want to recite what you said, God, because when I begin to do that, it begins to build faith within me. So Nehemiah says, remember the promises that you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations, but if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if I, if your exiled people are at the farthest horizons, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. Nehemiah says, God, re- remember the promises that you gave Moses, that If we follow you and follow your commands, even if we're scattered, even if things are immense, God, you're going to bring us back to that place that you have for us. The best is yet to come. I love Nehemiah's prayer. It starts off with worship for who God is. It goes into a time of admitting, God, I need you, and here are the reasons why. And then it goes into a time of, God, I'm going to build up my own faith here by remembering the promises, remembering your faithful word that you gave all the way back to Abraham. Because I know your word doesn't change. It's still true today. Building himself up through that time of prayer. What an awesome prayer. What an awesome prayer. And many of us need to learn how to pray in the middle of a change. If we want to experience God's best, I need to develop a burden for change. Okay, here's the question that you're probably all wondering now. So, Nehemiah prays this great prayer. What happened when Nehemiah prayed that great prayer? Absolutely nothing. See, not, not a thing happened, not a thing changed. We, we sometimes get this impression, God, if I just push the right buttons and say the right things instantly you're gonna answer my prayer can I tell you God is not a giant venting machine in the sky it, it's not about it's not about having the right formula it's not about knowing how the right I have the right words it's not about praying in King James English you know well maybe if I just pray in King James English it will happen no Prayer doesn't work that way. Nehemiah prayed, and I can tell you that absolutely nothing happened at that moment. But we're now going to fast forward to Nehemiah chapter 2. And for those of you who are taking notes, and I see a number of you doing that, thank you for taking notes. I, I always encourage people to take notes because... It always helps us to reflect later on the scriptures and go back and we we grow spiritually that way. Here's my second point. If we're going to experience God's best, we not only need to develop a burden for change, point number one, but we need to develop perseverance and tenacity in our prayer life if we're going to experience God's best we must develop tenacity and perseverance in our prayer life are you still with me Nehemiah chapter 2 I'm going to begin reading in verse number one in the month of Nisan In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. I want to compare Nehemiah, Chapter 1, verse 1, with Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 1. Look at it with me one more time. Nehemiah 1, 1. In the month of Kislev. Everybody say Kislev. In the month of Kislev is when his brother comes back and he begins to pray. Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 1. Look at it with me. In the month of Nisan. Everybody say Nisan. Nisan. His brother comes to visit him in the month of Kislev, and he begins to pray, and he is now in the month of Nisan. Kislev would be December on our calendar. Nisan is equivalent to April on our calendar so when I say Nehemiah prayed and nothing happened nothing happened but Nehemiah did not give up Nehemiah kept on praying Nehemiah had a tenacity he had a perseverance and four months go by four months of praying four months of calling out on God four months of saying oh God I need you I'm here to say church we need to develop that tenacity and perseverance in our own life because there comes a time when quitting looks good not every day looks like the promised day there comes a time when quitting looks good there comes a time in every marriage when it looks like the honeymoon is over there comes a time in every job when it looks like it is all done there comes a time when we are tempted to turn around and walk away and say forget it but I'm here to encourage you this morning that the best is yet to come and if we are going to see God's best in your situation in the life of church on the rock, if we're going to experience it, we need to develop a burden for change and we need to pray with a tenacity and a perseverance that says, I am not going to give up until I begin to see God move in a great and mighty way. Come on, church. Amen. See if if we're going if we're going to experience God's best, I, I need to develop that kind of tenacity and perseverance in my own life. I, I, love what, I love what Paul wrote in Acts chapter 8 and verse 37. Paul says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Everybody say more than a conqueror. We're, we're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. When, when did Paul write that? Was it while he was on a cruise in the Mediterranean? (laughs) Was it while he was on a beach, maybe? No. Paul wrote that after he had been beaten with the Roman whips. He wrote that after he had been in a Roman prison. He wrote that after he had been shipwrecked. He wrote that after he had been stoned and left for dead. Paul writes after experiencing all that, he says, no, we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And I believe that that is as true today as it was the day that Paul wrote it. We in this room, Church on the Rock, you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. But sometimes it's going to take that tenacity, it's going to take that perseverance in prayer before we begin to see God move. Nehemiah writes here, I had been praying for four months. And finally I'm back in the presence of the king again. Many scholars believe that the king had been away away for a period of time and had been in a different palace and now has come back to this place where Nehemiah is working. And Nehemiah comes into the presence of the king and immediately the king notices there's something different about him. He, He sees it in his face. He sees the heaviness. He sees the burden in his face. And the king says, why are you looking so sad? And Nehemiah says, I was afraid. Because he knew that, you know, one little slip, including having a bad day in the presence of the king, could cost him his head. And so Nehemiah says, I was afraid. I was afraid. But pick it up and watch what happens. Verse 3, I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If you're taking notes, I want you to note this. Answered prayers oftentimes come in the events of everyday life. I wonder how many times we have missed God's answer to our prayer because we were looking, you know, like you used to look when you were a little kid on Christmas Day I'm looking for that big package under the tree you know the one that's nicely wrapped and has the big bow on it I've been praying I've been seeking God I'm doing what the preacher has been saying I've been praying with a burden for change I've been praying with tenacity and perseverance and I'm looking for this nice package with a nice bow on it and I'm not seeing it I wonder how often we we have missed God's answer to our prayers because we have missed it in the everyday events of life. Nehemiah is doing what he did every day. He is serving right where God had placed him to serve. He is serving the king. And the king notices that his countenance is different, and the king asks the question, why are you so sad? And Nehemiah look at look at it with me. The scripture says Nehemiah says I was afraid. The end of verse 2. He said I was afraid. But listen, Nehemiah has been praying for 4 months. He's been praying for four months with a boldness and with a confidence. And all of a sudden, that prayer begins to well up within him. The the confidence that he now has, the boldness that he now has. He has the ability to look. And verse 3 says, but I said to the king. May the king live forever, and here's what's going on. You see, Nehemiah has been praying for four months. God, I'm believing you for this open door. I'm believing you for this answered prayer. God, I'm believing you to move in this way. And suddenly, in the middle of an everyday event, in the middle of his routine, in the middle of what was so familiar, in the middle of what was so comfortable, suddenly, the door cracks open just a little bit, and boldness rises up within him and confidence rises up within him and he realizes this is the moment that I have been praying about and he says to the king here is what is going on I don't believe he would have been able to do that without the four months of tenacity and perseverance in his prayer life you see some of us have been praying for unsaved loved ones for a long time and we're expecting to pick up the phone one day and to hear, hey, guess what happened? I went to church yesterday and I gave my life to Jesus. When all the time God is saying, no, you remember the last conversation you had with them? There was a perfect opportunity right there to tell them about me. But you missed it. Wow. I pray with a burden for change, and I pray with tenacity and perseverance, and and I just believe that in the course of everyday events, God is going to open a door, and suddenly we're going to begin to experience the very thing that I have been praying for. Hallelujah. He says to the king, here's what's going on. Why, Why shouldn't I be sad? Because, you know... My city, the place I came from, where my family is, that place still lies in ruins. It's in disgrace. And the king says, what do you want me to do about it? Wow. What do you want me to do about it? Suddenly the door is wide open for Nehemiah and he begins to realize the best the best is yet to come I don't have time to go through all the details of what happens in the next few chapters but let me try to sum it up this way the king gives Nehemiah a passport the equivalent of a passport he gives him letters that will allow him to move from one province to another without being stopped and without being interrogated he gives him letters that gives him the opportunity to to request all of the materials that are going to be needed for rebuilding the wall. I mean, can you imagine that? The king says, I'm going to open up all the doors of passage for you. I'm going to give you the passports that you need to move from here to there. Not only that, everything you're going to requisition, I'm going to approve it ahead of time. So you're going to have all the materials that you need. Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem and he begins to talk to people and God gives him great favor with people they catch the vision they begin to understand Nehemiah is coming to fix our 150 year old problem Nehemiah is coming with a call from God to fix this and something is going to change and they begin working together to rebuild the wall, and the work begins But the work is not without threat. It's not without interruptions. The enemy comes, and the enemy tries to discourage them. And I I wish I had time to go into all of that, but I'm going to fast forward to chapter 4. In verse number 16. Clock on the wall says, I have five minutes left. So turn on the music. We're going to get it done in five minutes. Nehemiah chapter four. I love this, beginning in verse number 16. Don't let the music overpower me, just put it under here. Look at this. Nehemiah chapter four, beginning on verse 16. From that day on, this is after they had, after the enemy had come to try to discourage them and to tear them down. Nehemiah says, from that day on, half of the men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. Those who carried the materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. I I want you to see the picture. Nehemiah says we're, we're going to divide into two groups. Some of you are going to do the work. And others of you are going to be posted alongside the walls. And you are going to have your spears and your swords and your bows and your arrows. I want you to see that as a picture of the church. It's some of us in this room are in that desperate moment. Some of us in this room are, are in that difficult position or you have family in that difficult position. And the moment that you speak it to someone and say, will you pray with me? Will will you join me in prayer? Suddenly, I want you to see that picture. You're doing the work, but standing around you is an army of God's people who are praying. And they are equipped. They're equipped for battle. They're ready to attack the enemy. They're standing around you while you're doing this work because you have this burden for change and there's a tenacity and perseverance inside of you now you're beginning to pray and beginning to seek god and they're standing there praying over you and i love what nehemiah says about the workers if you're in that position right now if that's you that's in that moment of need or you have a family member a child a daughter a somebody who's in that need I want you to know what Nehemiah said he said the builders did the work with one hand and had their sword in the other hand how many of you know that God's Word is referred to as a sword come on it's a sword it's a sword Nehemiah said they worked with one hand but they had the word of God in the other you see I'm here to tell you point number three if we're going to experience God's best we got to work for it we got to work for it church I've got to be that i got to have that prayer burden with that deep desire for change, and I'm going to pray with a tenacity and a boldness, but I am going to work for it. I'm going to do all that I can in one hand, but I'm going to have the Word of God in the other hand, and it's the Word of God that's going to empower me, because when I see what's going on, I'm going to say, God, your Word says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Your Word says that the chains are broken, and that we have been set free free. Your word says that you will never leave us nor prote- nor despair us. Your word says that when I walk through the rivers, they will not overflow me. And when I through the walk, walk through the waters, God, you will be with me. And when I walk through the fire, I will not be burned. God, I'm going to stand on the truth of your word. I'm not going to allow the enemy to have his way. I'm not going to allow the enemy to have that marriage. I'm not going to allow that enemy to have my kids. my my grandkids. I'm not going to allow the enemy to do that. God I'm going to do the work that I need to do but I'm going to stand on the truth of your word because God the best is yet to come. I've not seen it yet. You're not done yet but God you're going to send something that I my eyes have not seen and my ears have not heard but the spirit of the living God is going to reveal it in this place. Come on. Give the Lord, a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord.